0: Thank you so much for letting us come in this place this morning and just sing to you and cry out from where we are. I pray that you would just open all of our hearts and our ears to hear what Pastor Kyle has to say this morning and that we would leave this place feeling encouraged and feeling ready to go out and share your name this week. In Jesus' name, amen. hope you guys have had a good fall break. We're on the tail end of it. Tomorrow is back to reality. I hate to break the bad news, but that's just the way it is. God is so, thank- so good to us to give us moments to rest and to recharge um, so that we can get back out there. Uh, Just a a couple of things to let you know about. If you're brand new here to People of Hope Church, we would love for you to fill out one of these Connect cards that was in your seat. Uh, We'll have a time of giving at the end of the gathering this morning, and that'd be a great moment to put that in there. There's also some room there if you'd like to let us know about a prayer request uh, where we can pray for you and what's going on with you and your family. You can also indicate that on the card. Uh, The other thing to let you know about is, is that we have been doing a series on marriage. We kind of took a time out with fall break came, and so we'll pick that last part up of the marriage teaching next week about how marriage is, is a, a witness to the world. And, and um, we'll, we'll jump back into that. But for these two weeks of fall break, I've been really thinking and praying, and, and just wanna be honest with you, as I've been reading in the scriptures and thinking about you and praying, I'm thinking, Lord, what do, you, what do the sheep need? What do, what do the people need? How do we need to be challenged? And what are the things that we need to look at? And last Sunday, uh, we spent time talking about how a lot of us, and namely me, are, are so tied to our phones and digital Bible apps that we've kind of fallen behind in memorizing scripture and hiding the word in our heart. And we looked at that passage in Psalm 119. And if you weren't able to be with us last week, I'd encourage you to go find the podcast and and, and listen to that teaching from last week. Uh, Because I have to tell you, uh, I don't know what your experience has been, but for me all week this week, it has been phenomenal to just jump back into scripture memory and to let that sort of sit and steep and marinate in my heart. It has had a profound impact on my life. So if you're not yet jumping back into Scripture memory, Go for that, really find a passage to, to, to really absorb and to, to let it pull into your life. It's really powerful. And then this week, as I was praying, what else, Lord, what else Lord? Uh, not just the scripture memory of last week, but what about this week? And it led me to this passage of Scripture um, that has um, this beauty to it and some heartbreak to it, and right in the middle of it all is Jesus. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. It'll probably come up on the screen if you'd like to follow along with that. But if you brought a Bible today, that's cool too. Uh, Matthew chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 35 to 38. Matthew tells us in his gospel that Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field i want to jump back up to verse 35 and try to paint a picture of what's going on in this passage. Matthew is giving a little bit of a summary here. He's basically saying this. There are a lot of villages. I'm not going to name all of them. There were a lot of synagogues. I'm not going to name them all. There are a lot of people who got healed. I'm not going to give you all of their names. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus went from village to village into their synagogues. And he was teaching the good news of the kingdom of God. And then he was healing people with disease. And as he was doing this, his disciples were around him. Don't forget about that discipleship relationship. He was their master and they were his disciples, and they were following him around, and if, if, it had, if they'd had cell phones, they'd be taking little notes on their phone. Oh, did you hear what he said there? That was really good. I gotta put that I'm going to tweet that later. That's going to be great. I'm going to find an Instagram post. Good pick to go with that one. That was amazing. Oh, that was incredible. That was, I love that. Oh, my goodness. I don't ever want to forget that one. And then from village to village, in between villages, they were likely talking to Jesus. Jesus, why did you do that? Why did, you, why did it go that way? Why did you choose to do that instead of that? Why did we only stay a day there, but we stayed three days in the other village? Why, why, why did this happen? They were learning. They were all crowding around him, following. They were attached to Jesus. In the Hebrew culture, there were rabbis and those who were disciples. And here is Jesus, the teacher, the master, the Lord, and his disciples. And you and I who have believed in Jesus, we are disciples of Jesus, true? Let us have the same passion, the same eagerness to lean in and learn and to observe in the scriptures how Jesus acts, what Jesus says, what Jesus is like so that we might be like him because the, the, the faith that we have today is alive and well in 2018 because Jesus told 12 and the 12 told 12 and those 12 told 12 and those 12 told, 12, those 12 told 12, other 12 and somewhere along the way somebody told you. And it gets past and past and past and past and past as disciples are trying to take the truth and teaching and example of Jesus and follow him with their lives. In the middle of this moment here, you see it here in the passage, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. What's he talking about here? He's, he's using a couple of different metaphors. He's trying to teach them while Matthew also tells us what was going on in the heart of Jesus, seeing the people as sheep without a shepherd. There's a couple of things happening in this passage. So let's make sure we don't miss any of them. In verse 35, it says, he went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. What is the good news of the kingdom? The word good news is the is the word we use for gospel. That's what, what gospel means, is good news. It's the good news of the kingdom. This isn't David's kingdom. This isn't the Roman kingdom kingdom. This is the kingdom of God coming to the earth. And here's the good news. This is freedom for the captives and good news for the oppressed. This is God coming to set right what has been wrong, to return what sin has stolen. This is the good news of the king. God has sent Jesus down in love, in compassion for the people of the world, struggling in the guilt of their sin. And Jesus has come and he is announcing the good news. See, the world works like this. If you want to get ahead, you better knock down everybody else who's in your way. But the good news of the kingdom is the last will be first. The world works like this. If somebody wrongs you, you wrong them worse and harder and hurt them. Revenge. But the good news of the kingdom is Love your enemies and pray for your enemies. Jesus is coming to bring this up de- upside down economy in the kingdom of God where the last are first and the least are the greatest where humility is praised. Where love and generosity are elevated to these wonderful, beautiful things. He's bringing the good news of the kingdom. If you feel like you're lost and alone, good news, you have not been forgotten. God has sent me into the world, Jesus says. If you feel like you're overwhelmed and don't know what to do as you're facing sickness and oppression and injustice and all of these things, good news, your father has sent me. Kingdom of God is here. You've been laboring under this system of law where, if you sinned against God, you had to go kill an animal and shed some blood. And then you would offer it in an appropriate way on an altar with a priest. And then that offering would rise up to God and he would, would view that as an acceptable sacrifice and he would forgive your sins and you would be pronounced right with God. But then when you sinned again, you had to go and offer another sacrifice and you had to get with the priest and blood had to be shed and that would rise up to God and then that, your sin would be canceled out and you would be right with God but then when you sinned again, you had to go offer another sacrifice. Long have you labored under this impossible system of law, which is only going to teach you to sin, Paul says. Law, which is only going to lead you to this sense of hopelessness. Long have you labored under that good news. I have come to give my life as a ransom for many, says Jesus. The good news of the kingdom is that he will offer himself as the once for all sacrifice. We have today, and we will always have, Lord willing, a cross on display in our gatherings because we forever want to be people of the cross. True? This is the greatest demonstration of love there has ever been because you and I who are rebels against God, what we've deserved is punishment and wrath. That's, that would be true justice. But God so loved you and so loved me that he sent his only son, Jesus, to come into this world and to give his life as a sacrifice on the cross. And blood was shed, not just any blood, but the perfect blood of the Son of God. Jesus never sinned. That's why he was the only one worthy to go to the cross for you and for me. Jesus died on the cross, and when that happened, God took that method of execution known as a Roman cross. He took that and he turned it into an altar. And Jesus was the sacrificial lamb for your sins and for my sins, for the sins of the world. Jesus died. And in that moment, God had heaped upon Jesus the wrath and punishment for sin so that you wouldn't have to endure it, so that you wouldn't have to endure it, so that I wouldn't have to endure it. Jesus said, I will take what you could never endure. I will go where you could never go. I will do what you could never do. I will do this for you. I don't deserve punishment, but I'll stand in the place of punishment for you. And in that moment, friends, the system of the law wasn't thrown out. It was fulfilled. There is never a need for another sacrifice, for the shedding of blood for sin. There's never a need for that ever, 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 ever again, because the Lamb of God finished it. It was paid in full. Once for all, Christ died for sins. Once for all. This is the good news of the kingdom. And Jesus went from village to village, to synagogue to synagogue, talking about the kingdom of God come to the earth, talking about himself, talking about his plan and his mission to give himself as a ransom, a payment, a savior. This is the good news of the kingdom. And it is good news, true? that you and I can be right with God, not because of our good behavior, but because of what Jesus did. Jesus died on the cross, but the story doesn't end there. Three days later, God flexed his arm of power and raised Jesus from the dead, forever conquering death and hell and sin, breaking the power of sin in anybody's life who would believe in Jesus as the Son of God. And God has made this invitation to you and to me, this offer, that if we would believe that Jesus really is the Son of God, and that God sent him to die on the cross for our sins, and that Jesus really did pay it in full and that Jesus really did rise from the grave. If we will believe those things and follow Jesus as his disciples, that we can be forgiven of all our sins, set free from the grip of sin on our lives. We can be made new in our hearts And we can be adopted as his sons and daughters. That's the good news of the gospel. It's the most mind-blowing, unbelievable invitation there has ever been. You don't have to clean up your act to be saved. You don't have to try to balance out your bad behavior with good behavior to be saved. You don't have to do a certain thing or go to church a number of times or dress a certain way or talk a certain way in order to be saved. You simply receive the work that Jesus has already done. It is the kindness of God poured out for you and me. An offer that if you will believe, put faith in Jesus, you can be saved. Is that good news? It's unbelievable. We know what we deserved. And we didn't have to work to earn it because we couldn't. We just receive it. Amazing good news. The good news of the gospel is going out village to village even today. It's going out in gatherings like this. It's going out in coffee shops where you're talking to people about the truth of God. And it's not that you sit down with a little written explanation of, well, first, let me tell you this, you're sinful. Second of all, God, we're not going through some sales pitch about believing in Jesus. But every day, you and I are encountering people who don't know yet that the kingdom of God has come. They don't have hope, and that's why we've started a church called People of Hope. We want to be these people who are waving the flag, shouting the anthem as loud as we can. Jesus has come, and the game has been changed. You don't have to work for God's love. You don't have to earn His forgiveness. You don't have to work to make yourself clean. You could never do that. You don't have to work to make yourself right with God. You simply need to receive. And death is defeated. And sin can no longer be its master over you when you believe in Jesus. And you will no longer be an enemy of God, but a son and a daughter of God. This is the gospel, the good news, the kingdom that's still reverberating around the world today. It says there that the he was proclaiming that, that means he was announcing he was heralding he was preaching he was saying listen 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 hear ye hear ye hear ye the kingdom of god has come into this broken fractured world it is dark it is hard it is awful it is it is corrupted But into that mess, God sent his son on a mission to save you and me and those who've sinned. He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And then it also says he's healing every disease and sickness. Now, when you do a study of this passage, it doesn't mean that everybody who was sick got healed. It just means that he healed every kind of disease. Every kind, everything that he faced. There was nothing that Jesus faced that was beyond his ability to heal. Let that soak in as a bit of encouragement to you this morning. It says when he saw the crowds, the implication there is this happened on more than one occasion, that he had this reaction to the crowds. Because when Jesus came to town, the crowds showed up. I mean, bigger crowds than Ed Sheeran got. When Jesus came to town, like, have you heard about this? Did you hear about that? This person was dead, and he called him and raised him up again. Have you heard about this? This person was like missing a limb, and Jesus touched them and the limb. Have you heard about this? This person was, was sick, and they were made well. This person was blind, and then they could see. Have you heard? I don't know what he's going to say. I don't know. Have you heard him talk? He's saying amazing things. He's saying incredible things. He's calling God his Father. Oh, my goodness. Give me. I want to get in there. I want to hear. And wherever Jesus went, there were crowds. And so you can picture him going village to village, coming into the edge of the village, people just gathering around him and following him. Where's he going to stop? What's he going to say? I want to pay attention. And he goes into the synagogues and he's teaching. And whenever there were people crowding in all over the place, straining to hear and to listen in these moments where Jesus was talking. When Jesus saw those crowds, look at your Bible. When Jesus saw those crowds, he had compassion on them. The word compassion there means he ached in his guts for them. He ached down in the bowels of, of his body. He, it, uh, it caused a physical reaction in him. He looked at them and he wasn't mad at them. He had compassion on them. Friends, that is a massive distinction. As you go about your day at work or at school or in restaurants or in stores, and you encounter people who don't know Jesus living their spiritually dead life, let us have the attitude of Christ Jesus where we ache for them. We're not ticked off at them. And let us never sit in the seat seat of judgment with these people. Let us never say, well, I don't approve of your lifestyle. Who do we think we are? God does not need defending. Jesus had ate in His gut for them. Why? He wasn't mad at them. He had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless. The word harassed means they were troubled and torn up. They had the scars to show for the difficulty of life. They were harassed and helpless. (laughs) Some of us in getting ready for church this weekend have been struggling with this thing called Wi-Fi. Have you heard of Wi-Fi before? It's awesome when it works. It feels like a real nightmare when it doesn't. But oh my goodness, uh, Wi-Fi is a luxury. It is such a luxury. Can you imagine living in the ancient Near East in these days? Indoor plumbing was not to be invented yet. To the degree that you and I know it, air conditioning did not exist. Food, you had to grow it, not scan it at the grocery store. Sickness, there was no... 24 hour clinic there was no quick little spot you could go in and get some help and when you did try to go and get someone to help you if you were sick they were really just like I don't know let's try this (laughs) and there were people who devalued life they just killed and women were brutally mistreated and devalued as less than equal with men Children were looked at as just nuisances to be quiet off to the side. It was a tough and brutal and difficult place to live. And Jesus looked at them and he saw them as, it says in your scripture, harassed. They they were troubled, they were burdened and troubled by the way of the world, and they were torn up. That's what that word harass means. They had the scars to show it. They had been beaten up by a tough life, and can we just go ahead and agree that it's pretty good right now with our air conditioning, and doctors, and wi-fi, and all that kind of stuff, but wait. People are still just as torn up. And troubled in 2018. Aren't they? Aren't we? This world is broken. And we have to look at our kids sometimes and say, I know it's not fair. That's the way this corrupted, sinful world is. We have to look at this person who's like, man, what a godly man. What a godly woman. And then cancer. Cancer. We look at people who've been abandoned by their parents. We look at people who have been abandoned by a spouse. We look at people who've suffered the loss in their lives. We look at them bearing the scars of abuse on the inside even more than they can show on the outside. My goodness, please do not think that the only people harassed were those living in the ancient Near East. You and I are walking around them every day in the parking lots, in the restaurants, at our jobs, at our schools, all over the place, troubled and torn up by this life. They're seeking identity and significance. They're seeking affirmation and love and approval. They're crying out for it because this world is so empty and they're bearing the scars of it. Jesus looked at them Eye for an eye had left people scarred. Revenge had left people hating and angry. Lack of forgiveness had left people bitter and lacking joy for decades. And his guts ached for them because he wanted to bring something new to their lives. Your scripture says that he had compassion on them, ached for them in his guts because they were ha- harassed, but it also says that they were helpless. They were helpless. The word helpless there, when you dig into that, it means that they were disconnected. Disconnected and scattered. If you're going to climb a mountain with some people, you tie in to each other so that if you slip and fall, you're anchored in and you're not going to fall all the way to the bottom because you're tied into the other climbers. There's some beauty in that. There's some security in that. These people were isolated and alone and left to fend for themselves. And here in our modern day, People are just the same. Oh, you're struggling with shame? Well, don't talk out loud about that. That's messy. I don't have time for that. You're wrestling with some addiction? Whoa, keep that to yourself. Your marriage is struggling? Well, by all means, put on a happy face and pretend. That's being isolated and alone. What you're enjoying right now in this thing called the church is one of the expressions of the kingdom of God come to earth to undo what sin has done where you don't have to be alone where you can belong. We've just started community groups at People of Hope Church. We're 10 weeks old. We're two months old basically this weekend. We're, 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 We've just started these community groups and what we're trying to do is connect people's lives to each other so they can be real with each other, so they can have a place they can go where they don't have to be fake, where they don't have to be uh, pretending that, that they've got everything fixed and figured out, where they can be real and where they can lean on each other and be prayed for and be in the word together, all those things. We want to live out the expression that the kingdom of God has come. You don't have to be isolated any longer. When Jesus looked at these people, he put those two things together. Matthew tells us he looked at them and he ached in his guts from them down in his in the bowels of his body. It just physically gripped him because they were harassed and helpless. And we have an image there. Look in your text, like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep need their shepherd for some very important things. They need their shepherd to lead them away from the edge of the cliff so they don't just mindlessly walk off to their death. We'll do that too, won't we? Sheep need their shepherd to lead them to where there is good grass and good supplies of good grass to eat, good things to eat. Otherwise, these sheep will feed up on things that will poison them. Or if you leave sheep alone in a certain area, they'll eat all the grass and then they'll just stay there and starve. They need to be led to places where they can eat and drink and be safe. They need a shepherd to fend off the wolves. And they need a shepherd who's coming along beside them saying, keep up, stay with the group, don't get isolated, don't get detached, because you know what the wolves look for? The stragglers. Those who get isolated and separated from the group. Stay close, stay close, stay close. And Jesus looked at these people, harassed, and helpless, torn up, and isolated, so those, they're just like sheep without a shepherd. And it made His guts ache. Many of you in the room can quote Psalm 23: "The Lord is your shepherd, and because He's your shepherd, you will not want for anything." He's a good shepherd, true. He leads you beside what? He restores your what? He's a really, really good shepherd. My challenge to you this week, this is what has risen up in me this week as I've been reading the scriptures about you and about me. I want us to be like Jesus this week. And as we go to the school, as we go to our office, as we're in the little room of cubicles where we work and we're in the stores and we're in the restaurants and the server comes to the table or the person helps us, the people that we're around all the time in our apartment complex or the people we see at the mailbox, let's look at them as sheep without a shepherd and let's ache for them they don't have anybody leading them to green pastures they don't have anybody restoring their soul they don't know what it is to be shepherded by the almighty limitless God now Jesus switches metaphors here Remember, the disciples are there, and he's using this moment as training and teaching. The crowds have pressed in. Jesus has his his crew around him, his entourage, his disciples, and he just kind of leans over to them and says to them, look at it in your text. He says, the harvest is plentiful. So he was talking sheep and shepherds, and now he's talking about a harvest. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field you can use a harvest of wheat you could use a harvest of grapes there's a certain time when the wheat is ready and you got to go get it or it'll spoil or burn in the sun there's a certain time when the grapes are at their peak of ripeness, and you've got to pick them. You, you can't let them go. You can't let, let mold and rot come in and get after them. You've got to go while it's time to go. You've got to get them. And Jesus is looking at his disciples and he's kind of in this moment with the people, these sheep without a shepherd. And he's like, the harvest is really ready. The harvest is ready. These people need the good news of the kingdom. They need to know of a good shepherd. They need to know of this new way of life. They need to know of forgiveness. They need to know that they can be right with God. They need to know they can be new and clean and adopted. They need to know the harvest is ripe. But Jesus says the workers are, what's it say? Are few. In 2018, why are the workers few? One of the reasons why I believe the workers are few is because a lot of us have developed a Bible Belt disease. This is unique to the Bible Belt. You don't see this in Europe. You don't see this in Asia. You don't see this in other parts of the U.S. You don't see this in Canada. But in the Bible Belt, a couple of things happen in the hearts and minds of Christians, and it shuts off their compassion for those who don't know Jesus. They no longer move toward those people with an urgency of, we got to get into the harvest field right now. We got to go to those people because they don't know. They don't know. They don't know. They need to know. A couple of things creep up in this Bible Belt disease. One of them is, in the Bible Belt, many of us, if not most of us, are affluent and way too busy. We are way too busy with our kids and their activities. We're way too busy in our hobbies. We're way too busy in our work. We've long since blown past the work we need to do in order to earn the number of dollars we need in order to buy enough food to feed our family. And we are so busy, so overextended in our affluence that we don't take time to slow down and engage people and to look them in the eye and to suddenly realize, oh my goodness, I'm hearing your story right now and my guts are aching because you are just like a sheep without a shepherd and you're telling me the story of when you fell off the cliff, and I'm going, I know somebody who can lead you to good, safe places. And you're telling me of this unforgiveness you have towards your mom, and I'm telling you of someone who can lead you to forgive your mom and your heart and put away that bitterness. Ask yourself this question on a daily basis. Am I open to connecting with people to the point that I would become compassionate toward them like Jesus? Don't quit your job. Don't quit your hobbies. But prioritize your life because the harvest is ready. And one of the reasons the workers are few is this Bible Belt disease of we're we're in suburban spin cycle. (laughs) We're go, 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 and we've got some time. And so we're going to fill it with this and fill it with that and fill it with that. And we don't have any time to connect with somebody. We're on our way somewhere else. We're on our phones and we got this and we're going to that and we're going to that. And we don't ever just stop to listen and engage the second reason I think the workers are few, the second part of the Bible Belt disease is we make an assumption that everybody here already knows Jesus. We make an assumption that everyone here already knows Jesus. And even if you don't assume that, you assume they already know about Jesus. It's sort of like the idea of like, they, they, there's a church every 400 feet in the Bible Belt. Come on. They've heard of Jesus. They know the story. If they want to go, there's there's a place 400 feet from them, wherever they are. Any flavor they want. I am concerned that there will be fewer people in heaven than we think there will be. I'm concerned that there are more people who go to a church building on a Sunday than will be in heaven. I'm concerned That people think they'll stand before God someday on the faith of their parents or grandparents? Not everybody in Murfreesboro, Tennessee knows the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Not everybody in Murfreesboro has put faith in Jesus. Is that true? It's true. So what's the challenge here from Jesus to the disciples ask the Lord of the harvest therefore to send out workers into his harvest field what if this week if you didn't think this is the town where I go to school what if you thought this I go to school in in God's harvest field what if you didn't think, well, this is the town where I work? What if you said, I work? Where do I work? I, well, I work in God's harvest field. Now, that could get you some weird looks from people if that was your answer. But what if we thought that way? Where do I live? Oh, I, I, I live in God's harvest field. It's His. Those of you who have been swept up in a false mission for your life, wake up and come back. This is the mission of your life. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and make disciples. It's the mission. That's it. So pray. This is the beauty of Jesus. No one teaches like Jesus. No one is wise like Jesus. Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, you know what? There's people out there hurting and they need the good news of the kingdom. Is that true? Yes, that's true, Jesus. We should have compassion on them. Our soul should ache for them, not be mad at them or try to fix them. We should just try to introduce them to Jesus and the good news of the kingdom. Is that true? Yes, Jesus, that's true. It's ready right now. There are people all around us. You don't have to go hunt for them. Is that true? Yes, Jesus, that's true. Okay, then I want you to pray to God to send somebody to the harvest. (laughs) How many, how many of those disciples maybe bowed their heads and then thought, it's me. I want our church to grow not because they come here and they hear amazing music, which they hear when they come. I want our church to grow not because they came and it was really friendly, which it is. I want our church to grow because you and I get our hearts broken for the people who are sheep without a shepherd. And we take the time to listen to what they need to know about the gospel of the kingdom of God. And we introduce them to Jesus and they come join our family. I want to grow our family by people believing in Jesus because we believe in Jesus and we believe that's the answer to everybody out there. My friends, you and I live in a city of harassed and the helpless. They are sheep without a shepherd. You know how good it is to have a shepherd. You know how good it is. See them differently. Have aching compassion for them. And pray that God would use you in His harvest field. Let's pray. With your head bowed and your eyes closed this morning, would you just talk to God about how engaged you've been as a worker in the harvest? Some of you may need to speak a word of repentance to God. Oh Lord, I have been so (laughs) self-absorbed and so preoccupied and way too busy. that I have glanced off of people instead of connecting with them and sharing the good news. Some of you need to just simply say, God, give me a heart of compassion for those who don't know Jesus. Maybe for some of you, God would supernaturally let you get a sense of the of how hard it must be to live without Jesus because it's been so long since you have and I'm wondering if the Holy Spirit in this moment has brought a face or a name to mind Somebody in your circle, in your traffic pattern. Would you pray for them by name right now? And say, God, use me. I'm standing up to be a a worker in your harvest. I don't want you to look around in Murfreesboro and see the workers are too few. I'm in. Use me. Use me in my school, Lord. Use me in my office. Here in this moment. I'm gonna ask you to open your eyes and just kind of look up here for a minute. I'm wondering if, if also if there's somebody here today who's never officially put faith in Jesus and believed in Him as their Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, I'm gonna put this prayer up on the screen. And if that's you, and if you've heard the good news today that, that God paid for the guilt of your sins through His Son, Jesus, and that He's offering you forgiveness if you'll believe This prayer, these aren't magic words, but this is a a prayer that would come from a heart that would believe in Jesus and follow Him as a disciple. If that's you this morning, maybe this prayer would be a good tool for you, be helpful for you. So just mean it from your heart. Speak it to God. And make a commitment with your life, not just your words, that you want to belong to Him. You want to be one of His sheep. I believe God is still in the business of bringing people from death to life. How about you? Hello? I believe that God is still in the business of healing people. How about you? I believe God is still in the business of leading people to find their sins forgiven. Do you? Jesus went from village to village and did amazing things but I believe he's still in that business do you he is still powerful he is still eager to work I believe he can do it again and that person in your world who seems like their heart's too hard or they're too far from God I believe our God can do anything how about you We're going to close this morning with a song of faith. A song of faith. And and use this as your commitment to the Lord to say, I'm in, I want to be a part of the harvest because it's right now and there's people all around me. But also use it as a declaration of faith over your marriage, which seems to be struggling, over your health that is struggling over your relationships and work and needs, whatever they are, trust God, believe in God, hope in God. Let's use this song to declare that. Why don't you stand up and let's sing it together.